Welcome to the Go Fast Turn Left Motor Racing Podcast. We'll talk about all things motor racing with a heavy emphasis on NASCAR. We also talk about local and regional racing, as well as some IRL and even some F1. So let's drop the green rag and go racing. I'm Richard Barney, and along with me is Austin Leitner, and soon to join us is Larry Leitner. So first thing we're going to do is tell you a little bit about who we are and how this, uh, how this podcast evolved. So again, I'm Richard Barney and my, my, uh, experience with NASCAR is, is mostly as a fan and then as a, uh, as a radio co-host, uh, as, as a kid, um, I was, I was kind of a casual fan of NASCAR. Um, I was a Richard Petty fan as a kid, but, uh, long about 1987, I moved to Charlotte and that was during the peak of NASCAR. And, um, that's when I really got into it. Um, went to races all over, uh, the Southeast, uh, became a Ricky Rudd fan, but I, I got the privilege of seeing the legends drive Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace, Daryl, uh, Waltrip, uh, Harry Gant, you just name it. That was the peak of NASCAR. And then, and then things kind of changed around 2001 with Dale Earnhardt, uh, his passing. So, um, that, that's my emphasis on this is kind of a, I, I love the history of NASCAR and, um, I, I just love the sport and we'll talk more about how, uh, NASCAR started to fall off after the, after the passing of Dale Earnhardt. And then, um, what I think right now is the, is the, uh, rise of NASCAR. It's coming back right now. So we'll talk a lot about that during the show. Uh, with me is Austin Leitner and Austin is a, uh, he's a driver and he's been driving since basically, uh, when he was a kid and then, uh, coming into the show in a little bit is going to be Larry Leitner, who is Austin's dad and has been with him since the beginning as a, as a team owner. And, uh, it's, it's going to be really cool to hear their perspectives on all of this, but, um, Austin, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Barney, I'm doing good. It's glad to be back. Um, or good yeah. to be back. I tell you, it's been a long time, but, um, since, since we were on the radio and, uh, hadn't talked NASCAR in quite some time, but I think we're going to have some fun. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, the go fast turn left radio show started, I don't know how many years ago, but it was, it was a while. And, uh, your dad, Larry, uh, he was he was one of the original co-hosts on this thing, um, and he uh, the the other guy in, ended up uh, leaving the show, and and your dad kind of took it over, and uh, and eventually he brought me in on the show, uh, and so uh, we and then eventually you I mean you were basically a kid I'm not sure how old you were at the time but you were already racing, so. Uh, yeah you, we were racing then and matter of fact when we started the show we had been racing for a few years um started out in karting and and quickly went to a big full-size car from from that we we found through some different advice from some really really good people um including david reagan his father ken reagan um super nice people super 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 good people um the legend car series and and i would recommend that to anybody who's up and coming uh, wanting to join a bigger series or ultimately their, if their ultimate goal is to make it to, to one of the NASCAR's top, top three sanctioned series being trucks or uh, Xfinity or, or even the cup series as, as far as car control goes, the legend cars are hands down 
one of the toughest cars to drive. And, and the cool part is a lot of the racing takes place right in the heart of motorsports and, and Concord, Charlotte, North Carolina, and, and surrounding areas. Uh, a lot of your big NASCAR tracks like Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Atlanta, Charlotte, um, and, and many more that have infield courses for these legend cars, and they actually sanction these events. So you, at any moment, um, you, you've got some pretty big eyes that can be on you. Um, and now I know when we ran the late model series after that, uh, we ran against a lot of people like Stephen Wallace, which is Rusty Wallace's son, um, uh, Matt Kenseth's son, uh, Ross Kenseth. So, you know, a lot of a lot of big names surround that Legend Car Series. A lot of your – well, look at David Reagan and Joey Logano. Uh, both ran Legend Cars and now are running the top, uh, top-tier NASCAR for, for many years. Um, That's right. Chase Elliott, uh, uh, really, I would still call him an up and coming, even though he's he's uh, he's just been phenomenal. He he's still young in the sport, but by all means, um, he started. Matter of fact, I ran against Chase Elliott quite a few times. I actually finished second to him in the Georgia State Championship at Lanier Speedway, um, yeah. right outside of his Chase, hometown. So Chase, Chase Elliott is gonna is I think is going to be a legend, and yeah. and the yeah. reason why I. I think that is because he's won, I think, the last three or four road course NASCAR races. Yep. And that that, that tell, tells you who a wheel man is. You know he's a driver, absolutely. So, you know if Hendrick can keep giving him good equipment and um, him and his team, his crew chief, can, can continue to click like they did last year, <laughs> the sky's the limit for that team. I mean, you're talking about a very, very young team, especially in a driver. Um, just incredible. So, I think they got a bright future as well. Yeah, I do too. And and when you look at the uh, the Rick Hendrick uh, drivers that they've got right now, he's got something. He's got something very special happening right now. And we'll talk a little bit about about that in a little bit. Cool deal. Yeah, by all means, Mister Hendrick is just a very smart and methodical businessman. Um, actually, Larry cued me into uh, a couple interviews done by Mister Hendrick. Um, on that ultimately came off of uh, NASCAR radio on XM great station to listen to too, by the way. Um, they've got some really cool interviews with just neat people, successful people. Um, and, uh, Mr. Rick Hendrick, he is not just a good businessman. He is a mentor for a lot of people. And, 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 and you talk to people in the racing community and you're not going to hear many bad things. If any bad thing about Mr. Rick Hendrick. Yeah, and if you talk about the the lineup of drivers they've got right now, it's incredible what they've got going on this year. I mean, you, you know, we talked about Chase Elliott, who is a superstar, but they've also got uh, William Byron, who took over the number 24 from Jeff Gordon. He's 21 years old and phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And you've got you've got Alex Bowman, and, and he's an incredible driver, but also Kyle Larson. Yeah. And uh, without without getting into the politics of what he did, uh, he he had to take a year off basically and drive his way back into the thing. But he's an, a phenomenal driver, and uh, and now he's he's going to be driving the number five for Hendrick Motorsports. Yep, yep, that's going to be incredible. Um, you're talking about a wheel man between between Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Good gosh, who else could you want? Um, and you're talking about you're not just talking about two good drivers. I mean, we're not talking about a Jimmy Johnson and a Kevin Harvick or 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 a Kyle Busch. These kids are young. I mean, they are young. They've got many years ahead of them, but they can just flat drive the wheels off a car. So 
Mr. Hendrick, like I said, is very methodical in, in, in how he works, and um, he's efficient. Yeah, and William Byron, he, he – He's he's an interesting guy because he's 21 years old, and I'm pretty sure he made the chase last year, the playoffs. Mm -hmm. 21 years old, drives the Liberty University race car, and is still an online student at Liberty University. So he's a pretty impressive guy. Yeah, he really is. There's a lot of – you know, the last couple, two or three years, we've seen a lot of new faces. seems like we go through phases to where you've got your regulars, and then, you know, they some, some of your older drivers decide to retire and you have some new faces come in. And the last two to three years, we've had a lot, maybe even five years, we've had a lot of new faces come in. So it's kind of neat to see a lot of these new drivers, like you said, Alex Bowman, um, Kyle Larson. He, he's been around for a little while, but Chase Elliott, fairly new. Um, Kyle Busch even has uh, a, a couple of new drivers that, that came up through his truck series and are now driving, in, in, I think, for Gibbs. Um, so th there's a lot of young faces and these kids, they're ambitious. I mean, you're running against, you know, some of these older guys like Kevin Harvick, um, Kurt Busch and, you know, Ryan, you Ryan Newman's and things, which they're absolutely great drivers, but, um, these kids have just a fire about them and they want to be known and they want to, they want to make a statement and then it's going to be interesting. It, it's going to, and, and, you know, we talk about the young guns. That's what they always talk about. And uh, back in, in 2001, when Dale Earnhardt was killed at Daytona, uh, I guess we're coming up on the anniversary of that right now. Yes. But, um, you know, back then, the, the young guns were, were guys like Jeff Gordon. And, um, and, and so they, they didn't get they, – they became the villains, you know, and, uh, because they were challenging the, the legends and the guys that everybody had already pulled for for years. Yep. And so then, then kind of the perfect storm happened. Um, you know, Dale Earnhardt died, and then a lot of the, um, the, the, the guys that, that were in the sport, when the thing really took off, they started retiring. And, you, you know, you had the Rusty Wallaces and um, Daryl Waltrips and the Ricky Rudds yep. and, and all the people, the, the, the names uh, that everybody loved uh, during that time started retiring. And so that, that was the beginning of the perfect storm. And then NASCAR made, made some mistakes. Yep. They, they started opening tracks in markets that were not uh, typical NASCAR. NASCAR is a Southeast United States mm -hmm. sport. And they started opening tracks in places like Chicago and Los Angeles and Miami and places like that, thinking that they were going to take over the world with all new market share because the sport was so popular. So that that was a mistake. But the biggest mistake I think they made was they started opening these tracks, but they were all cookie cutter, mile and a half tracks, which to me is kind of boring. And they turned their back on the tracks like Darlington and Martinsville and places that had unique tracks, half mile tracks. In the case of Darlington, they had a, a egg shaped track which is which is called the lady in black and the darlington stripe and all this kind of stuff it's really really fun to watch it because it's not a, a cookie yeah cutter, it, it, cookie it cutter, really get up on the wheel and get after it. you don't have to ride around a big mile and a half oval um kind of yep. in a big yep. train you know um 
and, and going along, and, hey, we have a treat today because we actually are doing this show during the race, uh, and they're on lap seven, it looks like, at least on my leaderboard. Here, Here's something that's pretty cool. We talk about these young faces that are that are in the sport nowadays, and, and the top 11, you've got Ryan Blaney in, running second to Denny Hamlin right now, but look at third, you got Alex Bowman, you got Tyler Reddick in fourth, you've got William Byron in fifth. Now, you go to yep. Kozlowski and, and and Bush and Truex Jr., but then look at ninth. You go right back to Eric Jones, Cole Custer, Chris Boucher. I mean, in the top 11, we've got six names there that haven't been in the sport no more than a handful of years. So th- this is, this is going to be an interesting year, not only with all these new drivers and up-and-comings. Look at the track. You just got done talking about these cookie-cutter tracks. Tell us a little bit about the road courses, the, the chase races this year, just – unbelievable the the amount of races how they're shaking this thing up and it's going to be an interesting season it's going to come down to the very last race but it's going to be a dogfight at some of these road courses uh some of these small tracks like martinsville and darlington being in the chase and you i know you do a lot better as far as following the schedules than i do but this is going to be pretty wild it, this is crazy and we, we could do a whole show on the new uh 2021 NASCAR Cup Series schedule because it, it is insane. Mm-hmm. And this is why um, I'm saying the sport is coming back. And a lot of that has to do with the, the changes that NASCAR has made. But most of all, it's, it's the change in the schedule. And it's out of control. We can just kind of go through it and then we can talk about it. But, um, you know, tonight you got the clash at Daytona and it's typical speed weeks. And it's going to lead up to the Daytona 500 on Sunday. But the Sunday after that, they're still going to be at Daytona, and they're going to run a cup race on the the Daytona road course, which is where they do the the 24 hours at Daytona. That's going to be crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. I'm telling you, and even like like with Charlotte, they've got the Roval now, which is very similar. And um, it just – it takes your traditional racing. uh, It just totally takes it out of the – the equation because you're sitting here like you said earlier they went through for a few years there for for whatever the reason nascar got really attached to a mile and a half tracks and and even during the chase and it was just let's face it it was boring um and 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 the sport really really suffered from it um but the good news is they they realized what was going on they saw it they felt it and they have made some pretty big changes that are going to be incredible. These road courses, uh, the Roval, dirt on Bristol. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's it's insane. And you know, um, you know, one of the one of the true signs of, of how NASCAR had had its problems was all you got to look is uh, all you got to do is look at the stands. And I can remember this is no lie. You go to the the Bristol Night Race back in the late eighties, in the nineties. And getting a ticket to get into that race, you had to be on a lottery. It was like going to the Masters in golf. I mean, it was insane. And and I actually had to, uh, the first race I went there, I, I guess was around 1990 or something like that. And we went up there with no tickets. And, and our goal was to scalp a ticket. And, and this was back in 1990. And I had to pay $300 to scalp a ticket just to get into that race. And they had 100,000 seats. Impressive, 1990. I wasn't even on this earth yet, Barney. 
<laughs> well, I'm kind of <laughs> old and you're kind of young. One day you one day you'll get here. But you know, uh back to the schedule. Um it's crazy what they've done. So uh you mentioned the um uh, the dirt on on Bristol. So you got the you got the road course at Daytona and then on uh, March 28th you've got the the Bristol race on dirt and and you have a cousin that's going to be up there that weekend running late model yeah. uh on on that dirt yeah, track. Yeah, he actually did Hobgood out of Winsboro, South Carolina. He got invited to run um a, a big dirt late model race there on Bristol. Uh pretty awesome. I mean, he, he who gets the chance to do that? I mean, dirt on Bristol. I think this is the – I could be wrong, but I believe this is the only second time in history they put dirt on Bristol. Um, so this is a really, really neat opportunity for a lot of guys to get out there and run on this track. I mean, uh, high bank. You can barely walk up it when it's concrete. I, I've tried. It's very, very, very hard. Right. We ran Legends right. Bar there one time. And um, it, it's hard enough walking up it, uh, you know, concrete. I could not imagine with dirt on it. Just so much banking. Um, they're going to flat haul butt on that track. It's going to be crazy. And the, the coolest thing about it to me is that there's a lot of drivers in, in cup that have driven dirt track before, but there's a lot of them that haven't. So I don't know how that's going to turn out, but I think we're going to have a lot of crashes there because running on dirt is totally yeah. different from the running on thing. asphalt is a lot of these guys that haven't ran on dirt, I, I can guarantee you they're going to run and jump in a dirt car and get a lot of experience, get as much experience as they can leading up to that event. But these cars are just totally different. The suspension is totally different from a dirt car, at least in, in what I'm used to in a late model. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys do. I mean, the cream will always rise to the top, of course. So I think you're going to see a lot of good racing. But what you're and you're and these guys are going to be tested. They're they're going to be prepared for this. But I'm going to tell you what they're not going to be prepared for. They're not going to be prepared for running side by side. You testing is one thing, but when you're running side by side, two wide and three wide, and you're trying to make a pass, um, and you're trying to keep this car up underneath you all at the same time, that's where we're going to have issues, and that's where it's going to get real exciting for the fan base. Because I'm telling you. As the race goes on, everybody's everybody wants to be the winner of this race, and um, it, it it's gonna yeah. get good. It's gonna get good. And like you said, they're not used to running on dirt, so there's gonna be uh, quite a few slip ups. If I had to guess, I haven't been to uh, that many dirt track races, but one thing that I've noticed is the way the car handles is completely different, and it it seems like more or less they're steering the car with their feet. And as as much as the uh, as much as the steering wheel, and uh, I don't I don't know if that's true, but you can touch on that a little bit. I'd love to hear. Yeah, and I don't have that. a ton of dirt experience, even though I did run some on dirt. But but you are right. Whereas an asphalt car, typically, um, you're looking for uh, well, and even in a dirt car, you're looking to be very stable. But you're driving a lot more with your steering wheel uh, on asphalt versus with a dirt car. You can actually turn the car with the gas pedal a lot easier, or you can keep it up underneath you if the car's a little tight um, or loose. You can you can use your gas pedal almost like traction control um, yeah, to help you get through the corner. It's very it's a lot more forgiving, and, and you can adjust with the pedal. Not not that it's the fastest way around the racetrack, because if the car is set up perfect and handling perfect in, in a perfect world, you don't have to do that. You're going to go quicker around the, around the racetrack, but you do have the ability to drive the car with the gas pedal more. So 
Um, you know, if, if you've got an ill handling car and, and you know you're out there for 50, 60 laps before these guys are going to come in and get a pit stop and get to, get to make some changes, that is one advantage uh, for some of your more experienced guys. Kyle Larson is going to be absolutely incredible to watch uh, in, in that race. I mean, he is just so dominant in a sprint car and i think he even does some late model racing for a while i don't i don't know how he how he did but i'm sure he fared well in a sprint car he is just awfully good almost scary good um the the races that he has won since uh nascar suspended him last year it's just unreal so he's going to be a treat to watch in that one yeah, I, I can't wait to see that. And, and you know, and we're not going to talk too much about why he got suspended or anything like that, because that's a whole nother story and it involves politics. So we're not doing politics on this show. But uh, anyway, so uh, back to the track. So we got we got dirt track at Bristol. That's really cool. And then for the next five or six races, you got normal, normal races, Martinsville, Richmond, Talladega, Kansas, Darlington, which Darlington is maybe my favorite track other than Martinsville, which I love Martinsville. But so then on May 23rd, they're going to be racing at circuit uh, circuit of the Americas. And that that's the track in Texas where they run formula one. It's a road course. Uh, IRL runs there and it's first time NASCAR has been there and it's going to be really cool. It's a road course where it's like a stadium and every, everybody okay. can see everything. Actually, so uh, that's going to be the cool. circuit of the Americas. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's going to be – I'm really looking forward to that. And then on the on the weekend of June 26th and June 27th, NASCAR is going to run two cup races on the same weekend. And they did that last year, but th- this is incredible to me because I, I can't understand the, the logistics of, of bringing, you know, two cars to the same weekend, going through tech and all this kind of stuff. I, I mean, you can tell me how they're going to do it, but I've – I've done that before. I've I've been with the race team and gone through tech before. I don't see how you do two cars. It's going to be chaos, um, and I think that's part of NASCAR's way of mixing this thing up and making it interesting, not only for the fans, but let's look at it at at the teams and the drivers' perspectives. This is their job. I mean, this is this is their career here. So this is a wrench in the plans. Not 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 does the shop not only have to get one car together, the shop's got to get multiple cars ready because every time you go race you've got a backup car typically at least in your high budget teams so how many cars are you bringing are you still just bringing two cars or or are you bringing more because it's a double header so there's a lot of lot of logistics that go into this event for these team owners and, and and even the crew members because we're not preparing for one race we're preparing for two races so a little bit of everything on the trailer um where where's that at is that phoenix that's Pocono, and I'm thinking I'm thinking they'll have to bring like two race teams to the whole thing. So they'll have they'll have two haulers. The haulers hold two cars. They'll have to have two sets of a uh, garage crew, and then they're going to have to have two uh, two teams of over the wall guys. And I mean, it's just I don't understand how you could. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be wild. And 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 again, I think that's kudos to NASCAR changing some things up pulling a double header off and and, and yep. maybe just maybe making some of these big teams scramble and and just shaking it up making it interesting let's face it 
we got to get the fans back involved. And I think they're doing a good job of it. But I think it's just another way that they can bring a little bit more excitement to the weekend um, at a place like Pocono. And Pocono is an interesting track as it is. Yeah, that, that's on my bucket list. I've never been to Pocono, but I, I really want to go there. This isn't a doubleheader at, uh, you know, your average mile-and-a-half track. This is a doubleheader at Pocono. I mean, that's that's no joke. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a low bank. That's a flat track, and it's a very fast track. It's hard to drive. It's going to be it's yeah, going to be cool to watch. Yeah, from a that. driver's perspective, um, flat and fast is no fun <laughs> because yeah. – Trying to go fast on a flat track yeah. never never is fun. It's hard to get a handle on the race car. It's flat. You want you know you want anytime you have a lot of bank and they're like Bristol, you've got a lot of a lot of more forgiveness. Everything drives better with a little bit of banking to lean on. So when you got a flat track, you really got drivers that have to get up on the wheel and uh, and get after it. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's true. And uh, while we're on this subject, because we're going to have listeners that that don't know that much about NASCAR. Austin, why don't you tell them what a tight race car means versus okay. a loose car? All right. Car. Well, a, a tight race car typically uh, we we refer to it in many things uh, as drivers between crew chiefs and and, and ourselves. Um, basically, the car uh, will develop a push, and what we mean by that is when you go in the corner and you turn left to, to try to make the corner, the nose of the car wants to keep going straight. Um, it doesn't want to. T- it literally, it's it's tight. So it doesn't want to turn. It wants to go straight. What happens is your front tires are sliding on the track. They're trying to turn left, but the car wants to go straight. So that would be what we call a, a tight race car. And then a loose race car is exactly opposite. The car is wanting to turn so much that uh, you create an oversteer, and the back of the car wants to come around on you. So that's when you see a car sliding like it's like it's sideways, almost a lot like a dirt car. It's wanting to spin out. So that's a loose race car to where the rear end of the car is wanting to come around the front of the car. It's it's oversteering, and um, and that's what we'd call a loose car. That's a perfect explanation on that. Perfect. So so anyway, so after Pocono, they're going to be racing at uh, Road America, which is another road course that NASCAR has never run on. And so – I love the road courses. A lot of the good old boys don't like road courses at all, but I, I think that brings out the best of the race car drivers. And so, so, so they're going to be running at uh, Road America. And then, um, so you got a couple, you got Atlanta and New Hampshire. And uh, so those are kind of standard. Atlanta's a great track too, because they, they carry a lot of speed yeah, down I mean, there. You look at Atlanta and Texas, so, I, and those tracks um, are very similar to me as far as from what I've seen through the years. Both, uh, not not really anything unique about them, but they are just they're just fast. I mean, just flat out fast. I don't know if it's the way the tribal sets up or huh. what, but I mean, you look at Texas and Texas is scary fast. It is. I mean, to to the point where the um, the IRL Indy Racing League, uh, the first when they first opened that track up, the drivers said, "Guess what? We're not gonna we're not gonna do this." It's too dangerous. Um, so back even, I um, think it was so a Formula you got One that. team, um, and this has been years ago. Uh, but a Formula One driver actually blacked out there. He was going so fast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and 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 they they had to make some changes to that track because it was so dangerous. But um, you know, the other track like that 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 comes to mind is Michigan. That's a scary fast track, and, and so. 
you see a lot of that there. But anyway, so after after New Hampshire, they're at Watkins Glen, and uh, I, I had a chance to be part of a race team there on the garage team, and uh, that track is amazing. The only problem with that for the fans is it's not like a stadium. You can't see the whole race. You can only see a turn here and a turn there. But um, it, the, the racing there is unbelievable. They're all they're all off in the grass, and um, it, it's incredible racing there. Cool. You know, when but you're then, at a race course and you can get fairly close, <laughs> the, man, these drivers go through the gearboxes. They go up. They go down and make corners. They're locking the brakes up. They're spinning the tires. They're trying to pass. You're on the inside. The next corner, you're on the outside. It it, it really does. It's interesting. I mean, and it's fun. Um, and it really it brings the driver out in these guys. I mean, you look at Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott has been dominant. You know, a lot of these teams will bring in special uh, Formula One drivers or, or different road course drivers for these events. Not not Hendrick. They've got Chase Elliott has just been absolutely incredible on those road courses how many did he win last year barney he won quite a few of the road courses i know he's won the last three road course races if not four so he he is i mean i've got all the respect in the world for chase elliott that dude can drive a race car and and the road courses no absolutely uh, looks like we're on lap 13 right now and denny hamlin still still seeming to to be able to hold the top spot but Martin Truex Jr.'s closed in pretty darn tight, and Brad Keselowski third. That's that's not hard to believe. Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Brad Keselowski, that's three good wheelmen in the top three right now. Yeah, the cream rises to the top because you got Truex, you got Hamlin, you got Keselowski, and you got Chase Elliott, and then you got Kyle Busch. That's, 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 that's like the old days. And, um, I, and, and I believe Chase Elliott started outside of the top 15. Um, and man, he's driving the brakes off of that car. Where is he up to now? Chase Elliott. Who is that? Oh, Elliott's up. He's in he's fourth right now. And then, the then you've got, you know, what? Yeah. And you got one of the crowd favorites and we'll talk about him later, but Matt DiBenedetto driving that number 21 Wood Brothers car. Oh, Always yeah. I a like fan Matt. favorite. Uh, man, Matt is really—he's making a name for himself in the sport. Uh, he's not—he's not a Chase Elliott, um, you know. He's not a Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's not—he—he uh, has—he's not really necessarily following in anybody's footsteps. But he's getting it done, man. And he—and the—the fans love that guy. They do. And I, I can't remember what team he was driving for, but they, they canceled his contract for the following year. And then the the week after he did that, he almost won a race. And then then he got picked up by the Wood Brothers. So he, he's a great story and uh, definitely one of my favorites. But um, anyway, so uh, you got the Pocono and then you got you got the uh, road course at, at uh, Road America. And then you go to Atlanta, New Hampshire and then Watkins Glen. But then after that, you go to Indianapolis, and the the brickyard in Indianapolis has, has been a little bit of a dud because the fans over yeah. there just haven't supported it that much. But but what they're doing this year is they're running on the Indianapolis road course, and so that's going to change up everything. The the Indianapolis uh, two mile or two and a half mile whatever it is track yeah. can be a little bit boring. 
you know, because you can't see it all. It's just such a huge trap, but they're turning that into a road course, which is a big, big change. Um, and so other than that, then you lead into the chase. And this is this is a little bit controversial because the the chase is something that they brought in, I don't know, five, ten years ago, whatever it is. And so that is basically the playoffs for NASCAR. And so the way that works, long story short, is you end up with, um, you know, I think it's 16 drivers or something like that. And then every three races, uh, three of them or four of them are like eliminated. I, I should probably know that, but I don't. It, it, it is. And so what happens is those drivers end up in the chase or the playoffs, but they have to get there first. And that's based on points and, and more importantly, wins if you if you get wins or a couple of wins then you're, you're probably going to get into the playoffs but the cool thing about it is you got the last race before the the chase and so these are the guys that are trying to race their way into the playoffs that's at daytona and that's august 28th and so these guys are going to be driving their tails off to try to get into the into the chase and so, and, and that's really cool. Uh, the other thing too, backing up a little bit is that um, now they've turned all the races into segments. And so you got three segments of all the races where you, you get points to win a segment. And so these guys are driving hard three times every race to try to gain points. And so instead of them just driving around for the whole race and then firing it up and trying to, trying to race, at the end of it, yeah, they're going hard and, and three again, times. Kudos to NASCAR because that's just another movement it, that they made uh, to to make this more exciting for the fans. And I'm telling you, it works because every segment, every lap, you're thinking about stage one, you're thinking about stage two, you're thinking about stage three. You want to get all these points. You want to get every point you can because guess what? When chase season comes around, you better be there or or you're racing to win. You you're, you don't have a shot at the championship. So this eliminates you know, the, the, the civic six, 700 point leads. And, Oh, if Jimmy Johnson starts the race today, he'll be the champion. You know, that and that's fun for, for whoever's in the lead, but for the rest of the world, uh, that that's a nightmare for the sport. So look, they've, they've done many things to make this uh, sport a lot more, not only competitive, but a lot more interesting for the drivers, the teams, they've got to be on their toes every single lap, every stage, and the fans ultimately reap the benefits from it. Right. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like every single race is three different races because those points are so valuable. And the other thing about it is with three races, you've got the, you've got the crew chiefs and everybody, they're looking at this as how can I win a segment? How can I win a segment? And so during the middle of the race, they're, they're, they're making strategy calls as far as tires. Am I going to take two tires? Am I going to take four tires before this goes? Am I going to take no tires? Um, am I going to, uh, am, am I going to come in for fuel? Am I going to gamble on fuel? I mean, it's really cool to watch this yeah. during the race. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, you, you see strategies playing out in the first segment of these races uh, you know, just to reap the benefits of the stage wins, the stage points, because they're, they're that big of a deal. So it, it shakes things up. It actually gives an opportunity for some of these lower-budget teams to strategize early on and, and 
take the uh, take these stage points and, and really be able to make something with them. Yeah, and if you get a win, more than likely you're you're going to be in the in the chase. And and a lot of the lower budget teams or the or the guys that aren't recognizable, they can they can get a win at at somewhere like Talladega or Daytona because that's just being in, in the right place at the right time yeah. with enough No, I agree with you because power. the draft just helps so much. It's the great equalizer, as Dutt Hobgood used to say, um, that, that the draft is the great equalizer, and it does give – matter of fact, uh, Dutt ran a lot of truck races, um, Talladega, Daytona, quite a few other places, I think, just those come to mind with some pretty impressive finishes. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing if Dutt will come on and be a part of the show one week um, and maybe even, uh, you know, down the road even more than that. But uh, definitely get him on for the Bristol race that's coming up, a little bit of a – maybe even a, a pre-race show. And, and it would be cool to have him back to tell us a little bit about how it went and the experience because that's a big deal. And you're talking to a guy that uh, he's been racing since he was a kid. I mean, he, he it's in his blood. Um, started with his dad, Will Hobgood, and ultimately him and his brother Jake. Uh, did a lot of racing and the whole family really was uh, was a big part of uh, will's success because uh the devotion racing just takes so much of your time and and, and and you're invested in it so much to where uh it's a lifestyle and to have somebody like Dutt be able to come on and, and and really talk about bristol and some of the neat opportunities he's had even in nascar with the truck series and and, and back then the bush series that would just be awesome and uh, an awesome perspective for some of these listeners out there that want to hear more from a driver that's been there, done that. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. He was actually one of the uh, original uh, team members on yep. go fast, turn left when it, when it first started out. And we, you know, we talk a little bit about that, but he's, he's amazing. He, he knows he knows well, racing. Gonna, you know racing. about Dutt, too, while we're, racing, while we're but, so anyway. sitting here bragging about him. Um, he is a fabricator, a welder. I mean, if you can do it with your hands, you can bet Dutt Hobgood can do it, and it will be perfect when he's done with it. I mean, he built race cars. He built our race cars from scratch. I mean, we built them, jigged them up right there in the shop, control arms, spindles, you name it. He built them, and, and 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 he'll get that laptop out and get to uh, plugging in some geometry, and uh, we'll go. We'll, we we might win a race, uh, you know, by a few car lengths and have a strong showing and go. No, I, I want to take that that front that suspension off and rebuild it. I, I've got an idea here. I've I've went to the drawing board and came up with some new math. I'm gonna build some new spindles, and we'll go back next week. And man, he just always they're, they're, he doesn't settle. So he's a guy that really tries to achieve more and more and more. If you're winning races, that's great. But he wants to be faster next week, and that's what it takes today to to stay alive in motorsports because there's so much technology, there's so much R and D going on that if if you if you get comfortable, I can promise you, you're getting left behind. Yeah, and that's cool because. He, he uses modern day technology, but he's also really old school. He, he puts in the hard work and he gets yep, it done absolutely. and builds Matter of fact, incredible he built race some there for a long time and maybe still is theory racing chassis. Um, and won a lot of races uh, out of that old shop in Winsboro, South Carolina. Yeah, I've been there before. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, all right. So let's talk about the playoffs right now. And, uh, 
this is what I'm really excited about right now because, you know, it used to be cookie cutter tracks like we talked about, but now they've got Darlington, Richmond, Bristol, um, Las Vegas, cookie cutter, Talladega, Charlotte Roval, you know, Texas, Kansas, and then Martinsville, and then finishing, finishing the uh, championship off at Phoenix. And th this is what I love about it because there's so much pressure starting at Daytona to try to get in the chase. And then every single race is so important. And, and then there's, there's the pressure to win a race because if you win a race, you're, you're advancing, you know, and that's really cool. But then when you get to Phoenix, you got four drivers and whoever finishes first over the other three wins the NASCAR cup championship yeah. and no, i think that, that really is, is awesome so i'll tell you something cool. nascar we talked about touched on a little bit earlier but they've done such a good job about especially this year and and we'll see how it plays out but mixing some of these road courses in uh the short tracks like martinsville bristol darlington that that's just these, these are the tracks that the sport was founded on not so much the road courses but your darlington's your bristol's your martinsville short track race richmond for example you know that's that's not a high bank I, I would consider that a fairly low banked short track that's hard to drive would be an awesome late model track um these are the tracks that nascar was founded on in its prime and, and when it really gained its its popularity and they're getting back to it so i'm glad to see they're finally paying attention and i tell you i really think it's gonna be an interesting season the chase alone is just going to be spectacular when you're mixing in road courses, Bristol's. Um, isn't there a night? Isn't there a couple night races, Barney, in the chase? I, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can touch well, on that see. later. But um, I, I think, there I, are, I think there's but, even a night yeah. race in there. I mean, you you throw in a night race at Darlington or Bristol in the chase. I mean, that's just incredible racing. When when the lights come on, the racing just gets better. I don't care what you're watching. No, and I'm looking at the schedule right now, and you're exactly right because, all right, the first one is Darlington. That's that comes on at 6 p.m. Uh, then you got Richmond comes on at 7:30 p.m. And then you got Bristol 7:30 p.m. Um, and then you got Las Vegas 7 p.m. And then then you start going to the afternoon races. Um, Sunday at Martinsville is um, doesn't say right here, so I'm not sure about that. But then Phoenix, oh, okay, Martinsville's afternoon race, and then Phoenix is uh, is three p.m. Eastern time. So, but you do, you're right. You got some, you got some night races. Austin, you there? 